Podiatry Today podcasts, where we bring you the latest in foot and ankle medicine and surgery from leaders in the field. Today is no exception as we have three dynamic guests with us to talk more about marketing in podiatric practice. They'll share their experiences with what has worked for them, what hasn't, and why. I'm Dr. Jennifer Spector, Managing Editor of Podiatry Today. Let me introduce our guests, Dr. Jeffrey McAllister, Dr. Mary Ellen Brucato, and Dr. Bob Baravarian. Dr. McAllister is a fellowship-trained foot and ankle surgeon in practice at the Phoenix Foot and Ankle Institute. Dr. Brucato is in practice at Brucato Foot and Ankle Surgery in Clifton, New Jersey. And Dr. Baravarian is the director and fellowship director of the University Foot and Ankle Institute in Los Angeles. All of our guests are fellows of the American College of Foot and Ankle Surgeons. Welcome, doctors, and thank you so much for being with us today. This is really a podcast focused around marketing and practice growth. It's a little bit different than your standard operation, if you will, no pun intended, but let's um, let's dive into it. Uh, Dr. Picado, tell me about yourself and where you're at in, in your practice and your profession. Sure. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Dr. Mary Ellen Brucato. And I'm about eight years out of residency. I did work in another private practice for about six years. And then I opened up my own office um, about two years ago, a little over two years ago. I since then have added two additional offices for a total of three offices and we're completely private um, in private practice. That's great. And, and what I want the listeners to kind of focus on is where, where do you as a listener or uh, an audience member, where do you fit into this puzzle? Because everyone can learn from different stages of growth in our profession. I was in a large orthopedic group. I jumped off that and landed in a smaller orthopedic group and found myself doing very similar to what Dr. Picardo said. I landed kind of my, on my own two feet and have been on my own for about two years, two offices, and just me, myself, and I right now. Let's kind of dive into it. Uh, Mary Ellen, what what has been your experience in the realm of, I, I call it hard marketing and soft marketing. So hard marketing, meaning door-to-door, face-to-face. Where do you win in that space? And then where do you win on the digital side or soft marketing? And that's how I like to think of it too, organize it by either like digital versus print versus going out and walking around and, and doing that kind of like, you know, out in the community type marketing. Yeah. Um, for sure, I, we do a lot of online digital marketing that can involve SEO, which is organic Google searches. We also do paid Google ads um, as well with targeted campaigns. We will campaign for minimally invasive bunion surgery or wound care, whatever we're going for at that time period or that quarter. And that does really, really well. Some people will hire different companies like Patient Pop or ZocDoc to do that kind of stuff for you. Um, when I started, I actually, um, it was just me and, and like three employees. So I um, just took classes online and how to do Google ads. And I actually wrote my own Google ads. So I had the experience behind it to understand it. So then when it came time for me to hire a company, I knew what I was talking about at least a little bit. So um, I could tell if they knew what they were talking about and how they could help me. That's been really helpful as far as the, the digital marketing. What did you change going into your own box and setup? Was it just the control of it? Was it, uh, were you actually doing ads? What changed from that old practice into those audience members that are thinking about going on their own? They're scared. They're, they're afraid to dip their toes in the water. What changed? Like, what were you able to do that you weren't doing before? Yeah. And that's the best part about opening up your own shop. As you probably know, you can 
really zero in your marketing campaigns to what you really want to do. I really want to do surgery. So I really zero in on my Benoli invasive bunion ads or myelopidus ads or um, ankle arthroscopy or, you know, stuff like that. So you can build your practice from what you want to be. For example, if you don't want to cut nails all day, then you're not going to market. For me, I didn't want to see patients like that. I don't really, I don't really like to market to older people, except if they have wounds. And that's just me. And I'm not saying that's bad, but so I was able to really control from day one who I wanted to target and bring into my practice. And then that's the type of patients you start out seeing. And that's how your, your, your business grows. And you continue to see more of that, what you're, what you're doing. So that was a really, really nice for me. Um, you get to pick uh, really what patient populations you want to deal with, whether it be blue collar or white collar, um, where you set up your practice, really, you can zero in on that too. Um, so that, that I love having the control of it and you can really dial it in to control it even way more than you would, you, you think that you could. Definitely. And that's, that's exactly what I experienced as well in uh, big box orthopedics. You're basically marketing for them, not you. And so if you're if your online presence only spits out or spells large orthopedics, then that's that's what people are going to recognize. They're not going to recognize Dr. Uh, Mary Ellen Rucado, specialist foot and ankle, blah, blah, blah. They're just going to recognize blanket orthopedics, which is good and bad, but being on your own or at least in a smaller group allows you to be more versatile. And what I, that's what I really want the listeners to realize, like what you exactly what you said is that you can turn the switch on and off. You can put dollars here and cents here based on how much you want to spend on marketing. Most people say about 10%. Dr. Baravarian would probably be a good person to ask, but per month, 10% towards marketing is a fair market value, I think, for uh, how much most people should be spending on marketing. I think a lot of people don't spend money on marketing because they think it's a waste of time. They think mm-hmm. that grandma is going to tell grandma, and she's going to tell her friends. Now, I, I do think that's very important, but it's 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 too old school for the, the train of thought that we need to be in right now. Keep bringing up this patient pop thing. Tell me what that's about. Oh, uh, I actually don't use patient pop. I just know a lot of my friends, um, they really like it. They use it for reputation management and website and, and stuff like that. Um, yep, yep, yep. So you use patient I, pop? I actually do. That's why, that's why I thought Okay, you yeah. You could speak on it more than I could. Oh. Yeah, I, I love it, actually. It, it is a, I don't work for them or do anything for them, but I do think that they're a, a great avenue for a young practitioner opening up their own, uh, putting up their own shingle because they do own the website per se, but they have a full onslaught of, they have the capability to change literally a page for you on a dime. And it takes nothing more than an email. Their support staff is awesome. Uh, so just a plug for them because they they really work hard on my site and I really am kind of proud of it to be honest with you but it allows patients to make you know online appointments it allows all the versatility that you want it also sends out a another thing that we can talk about you just said the reputation management it also sends out a email three hours after they leave to let them know hey write a google review about Dr. McAllister and his team more importantly that's what matters to me is is making our visits appropriate and getting patients back on their feet and all that good stuff. But what drives the reputation and what drives the marketing, if that's what we're talking about, is the Google reviews um, more so than health grades. And if I had to rank it, Google 
health grades, Yelp is down third or fourth to me. Besides, I, you mentioned another thing called ZocDoc. Tell us, tell them, yeah. tell them what that is. So I use ZocDoc um, on my, it's a plug I put on my website that allows patients to make online appointments, which you mentioned. That is really important because a lot of patients, especially younger ones, they don't want to talk to somebody to make an appointment. They love just clicking on the website and making an appointment directly. So I use ZocDoc for that application. Um, and it's also a website that patients go to to look for new for doctors. And not only can you put yourself on there as, as a podiatrist, as a, as a surgeon, you can also pay to sponsor yourself. So when someone searches in your area, you can be at the top. So it's just another way to bring new patients in the door. How does that work with, uh, so I was on it for a little while and it was just a subscription and they've changed their payment methodology. Mm -hmm. Has it yeah. been worth it? They, they keep changing it, honestly, but right now it's like a yearly annual fee and then it's $35 per patient. Unfortunately, really? yeah, unfortunately, even if, if they cancel, you still have to pay the $35. If they come through your website, it tracks it, you're not charged. If it's a repeat patient, you're not charged. It's only new patients that they got you from ZocDoc's website. So I think it's really fair and we keep track of all that. And that's yeah. something that I definitely wanted to bring up um, is keeping track of where all your new patients are coming from. So you can figure out two things. One is um, the ROI, um, which is return on investment. So how much are you getting from these patients versus how much are you spending to get them? And customer acquisition costs. How much are you spending to get a new patient in your door? And it's gonna vary from what you're using, whether it be Google versus ZocDoc versus say postcards or newspaper. Um, so you always wanna keep track of that. If you're spending any money in marketing, you should know where every dollar is going. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I think my, I do another part of this is blogging. So you can keep your name at the top of the list, if you will, on, on page number one, if you are constantly reviving, and this has turned into like a, basically a uh, Google, Google uh, po um, podcast, but basically you are able to keep your name at the top of the list. If you are constantly changing content. So that means blogging, new pages, uh, new plugins, like literally that's what people are paid to do is constantly change and muck with your website to add content. And, and that puts you at the top because Google sees that as helpful to patients or helpful to the community, however you want to think about it. And so that's what I pay for a blogger basically to do uh, patient pop does blogs for me. It's an additional cost and that just gets tacked on. So I basically just have one fee for website blogging and uh, support. I, I don't use ZocDoc. I was for a while until they upped their charge to $85 a new patient. So I said, no, thank you. What about the hard marketing stuff? So that, that's a lot of digital stuff for the audience to grasp and, and swallow. And if you have any questions, please um, reach out to Dr. Brucato. Sounds like she's the expert. Um, <laughs> but what, what about the hard market? How are you staying competitive? So that's a great question. Um, we do do a lot of community outreach type events. So we get involved with speaking in the community, um, usually with companies, blue collar type workers that are on their feet a lot, teachers unions, um, police departments, fire departments, those type of audiences where we arrange a, like a speaking engagement. And then we make a connection with like, say the head of the, um, you know, uh, PBA. And then we make that connection and then we work with them 
Um, and then, you know, in my town where I practice, if a cop gets hurt on the job, they'll call me and be like, hey, doc, can we bring this guy in like today? I'm like, sure. So it's all about making the personal connections when you're going out and doing these events. It's not just, oh, I'm going to show up and do a lecture and people are going to think that I knocked out that heel pain lecture. It's really your personal connections with the people. So I do a lot of do a lot of that stuff that I wouldn't recommend doing like that is like like, like rotaries, um, like senior centered lectures and stuff. For those type of things, you might get like one patient in the crowd. So if you're really not busy and you have nothing better to do, by all means, go for it and do those do those lectures. But they're really not high yield to me. Um, I will go out and talk to um, internal medicine docs as well as pediatricians and just talk to them and say, hey, I do this. I do this. I take these insurances. You can call me anytime. Here's my cell phone. Um, let's set up a lunch. You might do a lunch and get some patients that way. It doesn't always work. It's not going to work for everyone. But say you know, you, you meet with like 50 internal medicine um, doctors, you know, maybe like five to 10 of them is going to send you a new patient. So um, when you're building from ground zero, when the first day that you open, you have zero patients, that's what you want to do is really go out and make the connections. And another high yield for me is referring patients to specialists that I know also refer me patients back. For instance, physical therapists, I make a connection there. I'll send them a patient and talk to them, call them. And then usually they'll send me a patient back as well as vascular surgery. Um, we send a patient, we refer patients all, out all the time, right? To vascular surgery. And then I really stick with the ones that send me patients back. Um, and there's just, you know, a, we just work together to refer patients back and forth to each other, uh, which is nice. So if I send like a vascular surgeon five patients and they haven't sent me any patients, then I really stop referring to them because they're not, sending me any patients back and whether that's right or wrong. I just like that, that type of relationship. And that's just the way to, to build, to build that. And another thing, Jeff, you brought up to me a couple of years ago at, um, at a, a ACFAS meeting was actually marketing to other podiatrists. And like, you really got me thinking and we actually made some calls to other podiatry practices in the area that we knew didn't do surgery. They were telling patients, Oh no, I don't do this. surgery. I don't do this. We don't do this surgery. We called them up and said, Hey, if you have any patients that need surgery, like send them our way. We'll send them right back to you. We're not going to steal them. So I actually got that idea from you. So good job on that. Awesome. Yeah, I would. I would second. Like my top. I. I all. Every. I agree with everything you said, except I, I'm not a big internist or PCP guy. My thought process is that they're going to send me toenails or maybe a wound. So. Most PCPs don't know what ankle arthritis is. Most PCPs know what a fracture is or something kind of like that. So urgent cares, I know you, you market to them, I'm assuming. So urgent cares, PT, other DPMs, chiros, lawyers, work comp attorneys. I do a decent amount of work comp. That, that it does definitely like a, a mix that you don't want to base your practice on, but it is a nice um, source of revenue that can, that can be very helpful kind of diversifying. I think that's kind of what we're trying to say here, Dr. Bricado and I, is that if, if you diversify, if you um, spend your, your money across the board on marketing, not just not just uh, soft or, or digital stuff that month, but definitely spend some time. And it may be your, your time at lunch in that extra hour. That is also money spent, right? So that, that 12 to two that you have to take off or 1130 to two to go talk to a group of physical therapists that that definitely takes time what really makes sense is other people that touch the foot because they are able to also diagnose something and typically 
able to tell whether it's surgical or not, if, if we're talking about this kind of surgical stuff. Hey, so we are in the midst of uh, talking with Dr. Bricado. What we're kind of honing in on is specifics about uh, marketing tactics, uh, strategies, uh, synergizing with other specialties. And, you know, we're, we're young guns and we, we don't have the uh, 15 years of experience or <laughs> as, as you do in, in 20 offices, et cetera. But if you could um, kind of offer some strategies, we've kind of broke it down, broken it down in, into two things. Kind of one is soft marketing, the, the online, the digital stuff, all the SEO stuff, uh, which could probably be its own podcast. But and then the hard stuff, the 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 actual lectures, the door to door stuff, the face to face stuff. Uh, what's your what's your experience? I personally think that the, the market has shifted dramatically when I came out and believe it or not, I've been practicing 20 years. The way that it was done was you went door to door to every single doctor's office, told them what you do, was super kind and courteous and told them how great a doctor they are uh, in the hopes of them sending you a patient. And I think now you can do a lot more marketing directly to patients. And to be honest with you, a lot of times that direct marketing works better because doctors have a tendency to, some will be jealous of you. Some will think that because you're a DPM, you don't know what you're doing. Some will want to refer to friends uh, or, or other colleagues they've had, a, you know, a long standing experiences with. So changing referral patterns is not very easy. The way that I, I do it is I incorporate the soft and hard marketing together. And what that means is as a young member, the first thing that you should really concentrate on doing is trying to write. By writing, you give yourself an authoritative voice. And there's tons of people who will read about what you're writing. Uh, and if they have the same issue as what you're writing about, which is what you're interested in and what you want to do, they'll seek you out. Uh, and when they do seek you out, then you can actually do the hard marketing through that. And you're in a more authoritative position, meaning you call Dr. Jones, who is the internal medicine doctor uh, or the rheumatologist or the diabetologist or whoever it is that's taking care of Mrs. Uh, Smith who came to you directly and say, hi, Dr. Jones, I'm Dr. Bob. Uh, I'm taking care of Mrs. Smith. I wanted you to know that Mrs. Smith came to me uh, because I've written an article on chronic Achilles ruptures and we're gonna be scheduling her for a secondary Achilles repair with a flex tendon transfer. I'm gonna send you a copy of the article so you know what we're gonna be doing. And what that does is, again, it puts you in an authoritative voice. If the doc transfers Mrs. Smith's care to one of his friends, he's putting himself in a very precarious position because if Mrs. Smith's surgery doesn't go well, he loses her as a patient. So then they will tend to want to work with you. And that's your opportunity to do a very good job on Mrs. Smith and have that doctor now consider you an authoritative figure in the thing that you are most interested in doing. And your writing doesn't necessarily have to be a journal article. Writing blogs on authoritative topics will be something that patients will find. So you write a blog about chronic Achilles ruptures and flexitendon transfers, 
and the the tricks and tips or you explain it in a complicated version or a layman's version, the patient will find it and be looking for it. And that's your inroad for an easy marketing, I would say. I would 100% agree with you. I, I've uh, written a couple articles, as you're talking about, with with aforementioned uh, publications, and um, I've definitely gotten some patients about avascular necrosis and kind of odd topics that people sit at. I just imagine that patient sitting at home at night, like you are right now on the couch. You're you have a glass of wine, and the patient is wondering why their ankle hurts, and they try to figure out. They've been told something rather a long time ago, and they have an MRI disc over there and they need to go see a specialist and maybe they've seen someone before, but they're trying to filter the internet basically and look through the weeds to try to find the rose or whatever you want to call it. I would second that. You're definitely able to stand out in the crowd just by simply writing about certain topics. I think the other thing that is something that most people don't really pay attention to is uh, look, you can be the best physician in the world, but unless people are coming to see you, you're a really good physician with an empty office. And realize that all of the world is marketing-based. And marketing is partly the image that you portray. Uh, and if you got to be careful with that because what you might think is the image you want to portray may not be what you really want to do for the rest of your life. Meaning, if you portray yourself as being the Elizaroff king, uh, that's what you're going to get. And after a little while, that might not be what you want to do. Right. But if you portray right. yourself as a foot and ankle surgeon with extensive training, and then your articles back up that training uh, or show your training, then it, it's a little broad, more broad. But don't be afraid to spend a lot of money on marketing. And the problem is that not everyone who promises you the world can really provide you with the world. There's no like short-term answer that says this is going to become number one on Google because the company says it's going to become number one on Google. That's all garbage. But what we have done is we've got a marketing person who really spends extensive amounts of time on our website, extensive amounts of time telling us what to blog about, uh, extensive amount of time doing SEO and also backlinking our website. Uh, and also a ton of time on paid search advertising. So don't think you're not a good doctor if your patients come in by paid search or they come in in ways that you'd never thought would be possible when you were training. It's a business. And if you're in business, your business is to, to see patients. And you can be a great doctor, but you need to make sure that you understand that part of running a business is marketing. That's great advice. That's, that is great advice from the king himself, the marketing king, I call it. Yeah, uh, no, you got to spend money. You got to spend money on marketing and don't be shy about it and don't be cheap about it. Right. Uh, if you go to a doctor's office, the other, I mean, this is very old school now, but just to kind of give you old, old school techniques. When I first got out, I joined a group at UCLA and UCLA was a basically a closed network. So there was an ortho group and a podiatry group and we competed for patients a little bit but you basically had 2,000 doctors at UCLA who would refer you patients. And they weren't really referring out of UCLA per se. So, you know, if you were good at what you did, you had an unlimited number of patients who would come and see you. But what I found was that the, the, the doctor had referred to the uh, old foot and ankle orthopedist for 
20 years. And now here comes this young podiatrist saying, hey, I do ankle fusions and I have a better way. So one of the things that actually worked really well was I never really cared about the doctor. I still really don't care about the referring doctor because there's so many subtleties that you can't handle. You can't control. You can't control if the guy's not nice. You can't control if he thinks that your training isn't up to par. You can't control the fact that he is he plays golf with the orthopedist, right? You can't control that stuff. But he's not the one who's necessarily making the referrals. His nurses are. So what I used to do is buy $500 worth of, at the time, $5 in and out gift certificates. And when I went in to see Dr. Jones, I would give in and out gift certificates to his six staff. So it cost me 30 bucks, right? Uh, that, that, if they sent me one patient, that more than made up for it. And you're going to spend $30 to get a patient off the internet. So be nice to the, to the adjunct staff, the nurses, the front office person, the, the check-in, check-out person, because a lot of times the, the patient's going to be like, oh, I need to go see the foot doctor. They're like, oh, you know what? Go, go see this guy. They're the ones who do a lot of that referring. So be extra nice to them. That works very well. Absolutely. Also. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Anything else you want to bring up, uh, Dr. Picardo? We did want to talk about stuff that doesn't work. So we did like newspaper and that did not work at all. It didn't bring one patient and I did it for a long, long enough time that I know for a fact that it doesn't work. I don't think billboards work. I don't know if they've worked for either one of you guys, but we did do that in my old office and didn't work. I don't really think radio or TV works that great. And like, I don't think internal marketing works that great. In my old office, we used to cold call like old patients all the time and like be like, hey, how's your feet? Come on in or send postcards every month. And I don't do any of that. I don't do any internal marketing. Um, and I haven't seen any neg you know, negative effects from that. So I don't really believe in that being that powerful versus all the other stuff we talked about earlier. I learned something from Lowell Weil that I think if you're going to do it, and there was a guy who was in my residency program at Pittsburgh who was just crazy busy. And I once asked him how he does it. And Lowell does the same thing based on what his dad used to do. So if, if Mrs. Jones comes and sees you, Lowell will write a handwritten note saying, Mrs. Jones, it was so great meeting you today. I look forward to having you be part of our care, and I look forward to taking care of you. So that note goes to Mrs. Jones. But he also sends a note referring person, right? So if Mrs. Smith referred Mrs. Jones, he sends a note to Mrs. Smith saying, Mrs. Smith, you referred Mrs. Jones. Trusting us is just so amazing. I really appreciate it. Here's a cup of, here's a latte on us. And he puts in a $10 Starbucks card. We do Mrs. that. Yeah, we do yeah. that. Yeah. That works nicely. That's I think that idea. is a, it, it makes everybody feel good. First of all, the patient who's coming to see you says, wow, I can't believe they wrote me a handwritten note. And the person who is getting a note and a Starbucks uh, card is like, wow, uh, I can't believe they re they actually thanked me for referring this patient. And it makes them excited to refer more patients. I think it's great to do when you're younger or you're building a practice. I think once you build a practice, um, you, you probably won't do it. Or maybe the way to do it is to have a pre-written note that you just sign the bottom of and, and have the staff send them out and you don't have to sit there writing notes. But I do think that, that that's really good. Uh, I think billboards and newspaper and stuff are incredibly difficult. It's really just about like people seeing enough of you 
to make it be where they remember you. Maybe that's the best way. Like if you see a billboard in a geographic area, you say, oh, you know what? I, I need a foot doctor. Oh, that I remember that billboard, but it's got to be cheesy and it's got to be very catchy. And so I don't really think it's for, for most of the professionals. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they work that well. Um, lastly, I wanted to mention that, um, you know, I just started two years ago, basically in, in private practice. And one, one thing that I felt that was, was decently important was open house. It sounds kind of silly or whatnot, but I think being able to get some kind of higher level community members in under one roof at one time, again, it's just, it's FaceTime. It's how many times can you like insert your name into their brain? Uh, hopefully seven times and, and that, that gets their attention but an open house kind of thanks the community you can do it every kind of couple years to thank the the community and um especially if you have multiple offices then it can kind of bring some um of your referring docs together at once uh, for wine and cheese or whatever but that's an, another simple way to get a an email list as well <clears throat> that's it's not super easy to get a lot of the marketing strategists in the, my community have large email lists, lists of uh, orthopedists or uh, lawyers or whatever in the area to help with um, PI referrals or personal injury referrals or work comp referrals and just different ways to, ways to network much, much like a lawyer would and uh, do it in a way that provides like a nice easy environment for your staff to get together and hang out and just so, something different to think about. Yeah, I also think that the one thing that you have to realize is you'll be at the tennis club and the real estate broker is playing tennis, but he's also working the crowd at the tennis club, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's like, oh, you know what? I just sold this house. Uh, yep. Amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, this, the market's so hot. You should try and sell your house. They're constantly working. And we as doctors don't think of ourselves as marketers, right? But anywhere you are, if you're a runner, the groups that you run with, if you're a tennis player, the groups you play tennis with, everybody at that tennis club or that running club or that gym needs to know who you are, what you do, what you specialize in. And it just can't be like, I'm a podiatrist. It should be, you know, I'm a podiatrist. I do sports. I'm a podiatrist. I do sports and reconstructive surgery, you know, because you need to really make sure that everywhere you go, they know who you are, uh, including, I'm, I'm not saying you go to a restaurant and you're giving your keys to valet. You say, hey, by the way, I'm a, I'm a foot and ankle surgeon. But at the restaurant, when you meet the manager of the restaurant um, or you're talking to people at the bar, it's not a problem to say, I do foot and ankle surgery. I'm four blocks away. My specialty is sports med and reconstructive surgery. People will somehow remember that. Mm-hmm. And it's important for, for young people, even if you're in a healthcare system, even if you're in a, a RVU model, you need to realize that you need to market yourself. And if you don't market yourself, you're basically at the mercy of the system instead of having control over your own destiny. Jeff, now that you're in private practice, what's the difference? The difference is control, number one, as you know, and I can spend dollars on what I want. And also when I go to meet a doctor, I'm, I'm not saying, hi, I work for 
and I'm able to shake their hand and let them know that I can see their patient tomorrow and no matter what. And so just being able to be available, have control of staff, have control of marketing dollars and um, do the types of cases on the days that I want to do them. It's very rewarding. Yeah. I think there's one other, one other piece of advice I'll, I'll give you for, as far as marketing is concerned. From the second the person who walks in your door till the second the person leaves your office, not only are they judging you, they're judging your office, they're judging your marketing. So you need to make sure that you have an image that even if you're a solo practitioner, your image is incredibly professional. You have a logo, you have a name, you have branding such as the pen in the office, the clipboard in the office has a sticker on it that's branded. Yep. Um, in the rooms, you have suggestion cards. Uh, when the person's checking out, um, the staff uh, you know, are, are asking, is there anything that you didn't get answered to? You need to make sure that you're training your staff to be extremely professional, extremely kind and courteous. Um, and, and that's marketing because the person leaves and says, wow, what an experience. What an amazingly clean office. You know, the staff were so professional. And, and that is also incredibly, incredibly important marketing. You know, a magnet that they stick on their, on their uh, wall or a sticker that their kid sticks on their skateboard. That little stuff is all memories of who you are and where you are. But nothing is more important than kind, courteous staff that take care of the needs of the patient and also making sure that you're branded. If you go to like France and you go to Paris, you go to the store and you say like, it's a chocolate store, right? And you go in and you're gonna buy two pieces of chocolate and the two pieces of chocolate are gonna cost $3, right? They spend $3 packaging the $3 chocolate. It's put in a pink box that has their logo and has a bow around it, and then it's put into another box that you carry that has their logo. This is all branding and all marketing. And you have to realize when, when a person picks up their orthotics, put it in a 50 cent bag that has your logo on it. They might go to the shopping mall and take that bag with them. If they store it, they remember your name because your name is on the bag. Don't be shy about spending a ton of, a, ton, a little bit of money on branding yourself. That's true. That is true. Any last points, Dr. Picardo? No, I think that just to hammer it home, marketing is extremely important. And if you want to grow your practice, you have to market. And that's just the name of the game. Well, all three of you have certainly given us some food for thought on this process. Thank you for sharing your expertise and experiences. To the audience, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and will join us for future installments. To listen to previous episodes of Podiatry Today podcasts, you can go to podiatrytoday.com under the Education tab, Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. <laughs>